Wait, hold on. I need to open another beer. <laughs> Thank I you. I don't know. <laughs> okay, we're good. Hey folks, I am Ron Goodman, and you are listening to the Beef Runner Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at beefrunner.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram as beefrunner. Hey folks, Ryan Goodman here, Beef Runner Podcast, and I've got another Over a Beer series episode with Dairy Carey today. Today we're discussing food labels. So I want you to bear with me just a moment. Take a look at the labels on food packages near you or in your kitchen. What do you see? These food labels can be confusing, leading to misinformation, and often guilty feelings. Mom guilt is a thing that we're not doing the right thing for ourselves or our family. How do we filter through these marketing efforts to understand what labels have true meaning? And how can or should the agriculture community join in to clear the air on these topics? Or did we help contribute to the confusion on food labels? So this is what Carrie and I are discussing today, and I hope that you'll join in the conversation and let us know what food labels are you seeing and what do you think the solutions might be to helping to solve some of this confusion in the marketplace by all of these options and all of these things that we don't always know what they mean. And I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Yes, we finally have sponsors, even if it's just buying our beer. We've got Chad Anglin from Kentucky and Marky Hagman from California. I want to thank them for buying us a beer for this episode. And if you want to buy us a beer or help get me to Wisconsin for future episodes of Over a Beer, hit me up on Venmo as Beef Runner and definitely give Chad and Marky a follow. I'll drop links to their Instagram accounts in the show notes so you can follow along. So I hope that you enjoy this Over Beer series episode talking about misleading food labels. All right, and we are back. Beef Runner Podcast. We got another episode of Over a Beer. Yep. I'm Ryan Goodman. I'm Derry Carey. And we are in the frozen tundra of Wisconsin. It's cold. It's been a uh, it's been a snowy couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But and cold. And cold. I don't care about the snow. It's cold. March is right around the corner. Oh, that'll be good. Except we have a lot of calves coming in March. It's going to be muddy. Today we're not in Crawfish Junction because our event venue planner, you know, failed to get the room booked. No, it's Valentine's Day. We can't just use their back room like we usually do because they're busy. Right. So we gathered around the kitchen table, but we've got a good spread and we do have our spotted cow. We sure do. And the boys are with daddy at the farm. So we got a good time for some food and some discussion. Right. And we want to talk a little bit about food labels. And Carrie, so we've been sitting here. I was like, oh, let's look at the food. Right. And we got a whole meal and a whole spread of food that has no marketing <laughs> labels on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which some days is quite a feat. It's, it is. Right. So We have beer. We have beer. We have chips. Chips. Queso. Queso. Beef sticks. Beef sticks. Now the queso has like a gluten-free on there, but actually, you know, you could use thickeners and some cheese dips. Yep. So that's right. legit. Totally legit. Gluten-free. Right. Right. Um, beer is not gluten-free. <clears throat> no, it's not. So we don't have to worry about that on there. But we hear a lot about food labels today, a lot of free from um, mm-hmm. type of marketing. And, and a couple of the big ones that we hear a lot about when it comes to beef or dairy things are antibiotic free and hormone free. Right. And we've talked a little bit about that over the years and it's become, it has become a frequent topic conversation. We see a lot of questions about those things from consumers that might stem from things they've heard or food labels that they've seen. In theory. That's the idea, right? Yeah. Um, now you're involved in a lot of Facebook groups with parents. Oh yeah. Other moms, and I'm involved in a lot of Twitter conversations with lots of people in the running outdoor community or just people that worry about healthy diets. Right. So what are some of those questions or those concerns that you've seen regarding antibiotics or hormones in our food? 
So moms in like these feeding groups that I'm in for, for moms with little kids, because I have a picky ass kid that I need ideas on how to get him to eat because he's driving me crazy. And so I'm in these groups and these moms are always asking like when they make the transition from formula or breast milk to regular milk, what milk should I buy? That, I mean, that question is asked a million times over. So are we talking about like goat milk, cow's milk? They don't know. They don't know. They just like, they know they're supposed to go to milk, but they have no idea where to go from there. And they have all these ideas of what cow's milk is from, you know, their neighbor's sister's babysitter's hairdresser that they've picked up on. And so you know, it, it it's not like a natural like decision. Oh, oh, I'll just go to whole milk, whole cow's milk, like it used to be. Like they're out there asking, so what milk do I buy? And so I spend a lot of time in those groups explaining what whole milk is in, in conventional milk versus organic milk, and just explaining like the milk you buy is hormone free. Well, I will not say hormone-free. It's not hormone-free because it's milk and that's a natural secretion of mammals. So it's not hormone-free. But, you know, it's there's no RBST. So I explain what RBST is. Explain that there is no fluid milk on the market anymore with RBST in it. But it comes um, down to, like, all that confusion is, like, they have, we have so many choices. Right. Today. And so, so many choices. You, what am I supposed to choose? Right. So we went to the grocery store tonight to get beer and queso. And our little grocery store here in town just put in more coolers to hold more dairy products because there needs to be 75 different types of yogurt, right? Well, we are in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking that there needs to be more dairy. He's also making room, the owners, for vegan options as well. And for those of you who are in, like, business or anything, can you think of another store that has as many pieces of inventory as a grocery store? We're not talking about a Walmart, a Sam's Club, a Costco. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Lake Mills Grocery Store. Right. A town of 5,000 in our grocery store. Like, holy cow. There's thousands and thousands of different options in a small town grocery store. And on all of those options, even if we just talk about just the dairy. Right. You've got so many marketing labels on there today. Right. And some of the biggest ones that we see are antibiotic-free and hormone-free. RBST-free. Right. Yeah. So those are the big ones. You know, there are, are others out there too, but people just don't understand. So we talk about chicken. So it is illegal to give chickens hormones and pigs for that matter, right? Mm -hmm. You can't go to a grocery store and find a package of chicken that doesn't say no added hormones. Every single package of chicken says that, even though you can't do that. Same thing with fluid milk. You cannot find a gallon of milk that doesn't say no RBST. You can't find it. And it's because that thought that it's there is so pervasive in our brains. And when I say our, I mean just the brains out there, not necessarily you and I, that they have to put those labels on there now. So having all those free from labels, right? we hear that it has created mom guilt, yep. parent, parent guilt about, oh no, if I don't have that, are those other products safe to give my kids? Right. So what are some examples of comments that you're using that might, you know, instill that perception out there? I don't know that it's the labels that do that as it is the conversations that happen online. I see so many conversations of, 
well, I don't want my children to grow boobs at nine. So we only do organic dairy because regular dairy has all these extra hormones. And so it's, it has nothing to do with the label because I don't think that most people look at those labels. It just has everything to do with the other conversations. So the labels are the marketer's attempt to catch up with the thoughts that are out there. Like marketers usually aren't on the cutting edge, right? They're playing catch up. And I think that's what the labels generally are, is them paying catch up to conversations that have been happening for a long time. So we in agriculture have jumped in a lot of these conversations as advocates. We've jumped in a lot of, there are no antibiotics in your food. Is that an accurate statement? There are no hormones in your food. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. And I'd say that we haven't necessarily cleared the air when it comes to responding to these things. No, and... So here's controvers- a controversial topic, controversial opinion that I'm going to throw out there and say that we're so quick to, <laughs> nice, playing with the beer cap, <laughs> we're so quick to want to be someone to say something that we screwed up because, you guys, if you're going to go out there and talk about these products, you need to know what the H you're talking about. There are far too many people who are advocating without knowing the facts about their own products. So, you know, it'd be real easy to say, there's never any milk with or meat with antibiotics in it. Is that true? I can tell you, we can't say an absolute phrase such as, there are no antibiotics in any of your meat. Right, and it's not because it's not tested, it's not that, but there are allowable levels. Those levels are very small. It's not zero. It's not zero. No. So <clears throat> coming we from fully say that. Coming from meat science education background, uh, livestock marketing background. Right. So like the standards are not every single carcass is tested. Right. Uh, the entire carcass. Through statistics, we know the amount of testing that's done is significant mm-hmm. enough to catch, catch things that would be harmful to our food supply. Right. But those levels are not zero. Right. And what happens when there is a food recall because there were some antibiotics found in residue? Then they're right. going to point back at someone who said there was an absolute zero. Right. Now, let's right. clarify. Again, our testing is really good. It really is. But we cannot say... Absolutely never zero. Right. Right. I guess that's not the final point. That, and we can't, you know, we kind of get into the weeds with hormones. We say, well, all natural living things have, have hormones, hormones. Right? right? And we try to compare it to birth control pills or heads of cabbage and this and that. That's not what's going to convince people. No, because that's facts and science when we're talking an emotional topic, Mm -hmm. right? What people want to know is if I eat this food or if I give this food to my kids, are they going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Is this going to have a negative effect on my health? They don't need to know that a head of cabbage has, you know, 70,000 more whatevers of estrogen than implanted beef. Like, that isn't it. That's, you know, so one I of mean, the, it's I'm, interesting. Yeah. And maybe if you have a conversation where you've gotten further into the conversation, you can talk about That's that kind supporting of evidence. Right. right. But when you're in a mom group. That's not your argument. No. Right. No. I just say, you know what? Every single load of milk on every single farm is tested every single time it leaves this farm for antibiotics. And you know what? Milk is one of the most tested, safe foods you can find in the grocery store. And that's enough for 90% of the moms out there. Just knowing that there are standards in place. Right, right. And that 
that like this is legit and, and what happens if there are antibiotics in our tank like i explained uh we have to dump an entire tank load of milk and we're out thousands of dollars it's a bfd just explaining that helps so much when we get to explaining it though we need to be careful how we're doing it so yeah. a lot of times we talk about withdrawal periods right that's <laughs> like a foreign language well so i had somebody the other day that told that i was i was having a discussion about these things and they're they're not in ag but are familiar with it and i said yeah somebody was talking about withdrawal periods and i'm picturing cows on crack <laughs> Like, they've got withdrawals itching that they needed their drugs. So I'm about to make you blush. <laughs> you ready? So when I think, like, withdrawal, there's only, like, like the pull-and-pray method of birth control. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, like, it's not... Not a term that people associate with what we mean it to be. I'm like... Wow, you actually pictured like cows going through drug withdrawal that needed their fix. Right. That's not what I intended for you yeah. to get out of that statement. Yeah, and they're so busy like thinking about cows on crack that they're not listening to the rest of what you have to say. Oh, but it's like, I didn't realize that was jargon. Right. right? If you some... really want to see cows on crack, just go to just look at some jerseys, man. <laughs> I have jerseys, jersey people. It's okay. Give I them, love them. Give them they're some weird. new chains or gates to lick on. And, <laughs> right, you know. and they're good. You know, that can be really confusing for people. Right. Um, to, it, they don't care about the numbers, statistics. Yeah. And so when we get wrapped up in kind of just trying try to describe some of these things. And then I've seen, uh, and I've been guilty of it myself, and something that I've learned is one of our strategies is to talk about how we give antibiotics or hormones or how we talk about our cattle. And then we end up with a picture of an animal in a head gate. Yeah. Or we end up with a picture of an animal in it on a feed bunk with their head stuck through yeah. the you know, and eating feed off right. of a pad. Well like a headlock is a what headlock. we call that. Feed yard, <laughs> yeah. feed whatever. Right. Right? Term Dairy versus beef. Yeah. Dairy terminology. terminology. <laughs> right? And so people actually perceive that when they see that snapshot of that animal, we you know, I think I'm gonna take a picture of this animal in this head gate, we're giving it antibiotics, we're giving it vaccines, whatever that might be. They yeah. see this injection. Right. And this animal locked right. in metal. Because right? they've, ne they've never had to try to give a two-year-old heifer who doesn't want a shot a shot. Right. Or even so if they... it's at the feed bunk, that those animals aren't locked in there. They just literally just stuck their head in there. I've had people who like saw pictures of my cows eating and we have headlocks on the feed rail. And they thought that that's how those cows lived. Like they couldn't even lay down. And they... That's where and that they were perception. Real mad at me. That's where that perception of well, you lock cows in cages and pump them full of antibiotics right. and hormones. That's where right. that comes from. And you know what? We can't expect them to know this stuff. It blows my mind when people are like, "Well, they're so dumb." And it's we've talked about this before. I know, but it's one of my hot button issues. Like, quit expecting people to know what you do and why you do it and what things are because if you went to their job you wouldn't know what half their shit is either it's tough because, sorry i swore oh nope you're fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's so it's really frustrating obviously <laughs> even for us in how we've done some of these things but you've talked a lot about animal care antibiotics hormones right and dairy cattle specifically so what are some of those tactics that you found that work in those conversations listening is a really great way to start 
Listen to the question. What do they want to know? And you don't have to like immediately reply with, you know, a novel. Ask them, you know, if they ask something that's slightly ambiguous, ask them what they mean. Like, tell me more about what you, what you're wondering, because I'm, I'm not sure. So then when they ask again, you have a clear idea of the question they want to know. So when Silas asked me, a while ago, where do babies come from? Oh, you already had that conversation? <laughs> no, we didn't have that conversation because I listened and I asked for clarification about what he meant. And he just wanted to know if the baby doll at school had come from the store or if it was somebody, like one of the other kids had brought it. That was his question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I could have gotten myself into a whole lot of hot water if I hadn't have clarified what he was talking about exactly. And that's like the first thing when we're, we're talking to people like, well, I want antibiotic-free milk. Okay, well, like... Tell me more what you mean. And well, I, I, I've just heard that milk has a lot of antibiotics in it or, or hormones in it. So, okay. So that tells me one thing, especially if they conflate antibiotics and hormones, which happens a lot, that'll help me answer their question. Or they'll say, well, what I'm worried about is if I, I buy milk that has hormones in it or, or doesn't say that it's hormone-free or whatever, it comes from factory farms. So that's a totally different conversation. Ask those questions and clarify and, and truly answer what they want to know. Otherwise, if you go off into left field. So what they're really looking for was about. the perception of, well, I acquaint these labels with that family. Right. Farm and farmers that I think are doing things well. When maybe that question was about the perception of just factory farming. Right. Right. And very different responses. So... You know, when people go to you and they're like, I want grass-fed beef. I mean, how, how can you determine what they truly want to know? Well, so what I deal with a lot with athletes, fellow runners, mm -hmm. the question is, um, it comes as a statement. And it's that, well, I don't really eat a lot of red meat anymore. I try to avoid red meat mm -hmm. because I think chicken's healthier. Right. And that's, that is, so it's not a question. Right. It's, it's a, a statement. statement. And where it kind of gets down to is that, so is that a perception about saturated fat? Or is or it is just it diet culture telling us that Chicken that's protein, lean protein, right? Or well, is it, sometimes I've found is that it, the chicken had the no antibiotics, no hormones label on it, where the chub right. of beef didn't. Didn't. So that's one thing, like when you're talking about like brands. So in dairy, we have brands, obviously. And a lot of people don't understand that when you buy a gallon of milk at the store, that milk comes from big farms, small farms, medium farms. It, it comes from all of us. It all gets pooled. And so if you want to support your local farmer, just buy a gallon of milk. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's there. And, and so people think, well, if I buy the Aldi's brand or the store brand, I'm supporting factory farms. But if I buy the Organic Valley brand, it's not that I want to buy organic necessarily, but I want to support family farms. And, you know, obviously that does that to a point, but there's gray area there. So there's these brands in dairy. And in beef, obviously, you have Sir Fat Angus. And there's starting to be more brand names of beef, but beef is still really kind of generic, right? It is. Yeah, my family raises beef that ends up in a feed yard in Texas. Right. And it ends up at a Tyson plant. But, and that Tyson plant goes to supply Wendy's. Right. It goes to supply grocery chains right. across the country. And, and, and it goes and to supply it gets, restaurants. 
And when it gets to that grocery store, it doesn't necessarily have like a Tyson label on it, though, no. right? It's that styrofoam packed with plastic right. on it. There's no, that, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. But people don't under, understand that either. They they think if they buy meat from Walmart, it's supporting farms that maybe they don't want to support. And they don't understand that, no, that started at your family's farm. Just because okay. it doesn't have a special label on it doesn't right. mean it's from a vague corporation somewhere. It, we wouldn't have that marketing opportunity. We wouldn't have that chance to market our cattle, our beef, if we didn't have that supply chain to get it to you. So here's the next question. I'm going to ask you because you can start to answer it. Then I'll go into a whole rant on this subject. So really you want to say something. I do. (laughs) But I'm giving you the opportunity to say something first. Is it okay to have these kind of labels? And whose fault is it that we have these kind of labels? (laughs) I think it's... Is it okay to have these kind of labels on food? I think we live in a society where, hey, if you are free to conduct a business, that you can put those labels on there, mm-hmm. right? And that allow. And I'm not. I'm not trying to restrict our ability to do free business here. Right. I think that there is a responsibility throughout the supply chain that all of us hold, from the producer all the way to the marketer or the retailer, to have honesty and integrity in that marketing. And the education to address some of the myths that have been created out there lies upon all of us throughout that entire supply chain. I think the labels that are out there can get a little far-fetched, right? Come from people outside of the supply chain that we're trying to profit off of emotion. Okay, so let me tell you what I think. Okay. Okay, start off. I came from a marketing background before I came to the farm. And in marketing, your job is to take a product and make it better than the other products on the shelf so people buy your product. Obviously, a marketer is going to use these kind of labels because they can differentiate themselves. And for some customers, they are looking for something specific that that, that one of those labels signifies, okay? And other people are just going to look at the shelf and say, this product has more things that aren't in it that are, you know, it doesn't have this, this, and this. And this product only doesn't have this. So obviously this product is better. I'm going to go with that. So it's a race to the bottom in marketing, which is at the same time a race to the top for individual products. Confusing, but it's marketing. It's business. That's what happens. I don't love it, but this leads into the second part. It's our own damn fault we're here. In ag, we spent so much time ignoring customers that and consumers that had questions about what we were doing and why we we're doing this, and we just told them to shut up and eat, that they started saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start looking for alternatives. And some smart marketer came along and gave them an option. And now we have a new dairy cooler at the grocery store with 70,000 different types of yogurt because... People want options. And if we had started to do a better job teaching about agriculture and sharing what we do 20 years ago, we wouldn't be nearly as far down this path as we are right now. That's fair. So back to a question I had asked you earlier. Yeah. As advocates, as people involved in production agriculture, how do we address these concerns about antibiotics and hormones? In a way that doesn't raise concern about them or feed into maybe some of that marketing or make us come across as looking defensive. I think we talk about the quality assurance that we have built into our products, whether it be through BQA, PQA, or the farm program. We talk about how we work with our veterinarians to do the right 
things and make the right choices. And I think we just, again, go back to answering questions, being a little more humble and not so assured that everything we do is right. There's always opportunity to improve. I, th- I think when I ask that question, it comes to mind a couple of times where you've had a down cow. Yeah. And this is tough. Right. And this is an opportunity of why these tools are important. Yeah. It's better to explain it ahead of time than after the fact, right? Right. Why we use these things. You've had a couple of opportunities where you've you've had to dump milk. Yeah. That was a bad day. Sometimes out of an abundance of caution. Right. For sure. And it's those bad days that make that emotional connection with, wow, that farmer does care. Yeah. So we had to dump a tank of milk because we milked a treated cow into our bulk tank and we weren't gonna gonna send it. My friend Laura has the idea on her farm that she follows of if it's not perfect, it's pitched. And in theory our our bulk tank maybe could have tested okay. Again, we talked about legal limits and it might have tested okay, but we weren't gonna try. We weren't gonna do that. It wasn't right to do that. So I flipped open Facebook Live and we opened the tank valve and dumped an entire tank of milk. And I told people what we were doing as we did it. And people were amazed. You know, non-farmers were like, oh wow, this really? This is what happens. They, they just had no concept. So I even have a blog post that's like just seven pictures that literally shows dumping a treated cow bucket of milk. Here's how it's done. Right. Here, here's how we ensure right. that you can trust our food supply. Yep. Right. You know, I've had this situation with my dad. We had a storm front come through. So when it was a really ice, bad ice storm, it gets 70 degrees in Arkansas and that would come and it just got super icy. And a bunch of young calves got really sick and we had to treat several with antibiotics for pneumonia that day. My dad was like, don't, you're not posting any of that on that Facebook, are you? (laughs) Yeah. That Facebook thing. That Facebook thing. But I was like, no, this is the, yeah, it sucks. And his perspective is, well, I don't want the other producers to know that we didn't, you know, we had to doctor a lot of calves. So did they. Right? (laughs) And it was, hey, these times suck. And this is why we need to use antibiotics because these calves went through that tool. And and we use them responsibly. Hey, speaking of antibiotics, dairy farmers, if you are telling people that you don't feed your cows antibiotics, but you use some kind of ionophore like rumensin or monosin, you're lying because rumensin and monosin are classified as antibiotics in the U.S. And it's stupid that they're classified as antibiotics. And I really wish that the companies that make them would get together and get that changed because outside of the U.S. they are not classified as antibiotics. But if you feed those things in your feed and you are saying that you would never feed your cows antibiotics, we got a problem. Can I follow that under Carrie has something to say? (laughs) Yes, you can. Uh, and if you listen to our last podcast, you'd yeah. get that. Yes. So, yeah, there's that. And beef producers use rumensin too, right? Right. I don't know. Those, products, those yeah. products are there too. So. I think it comes back to, you know what, it, we put ourselves in a corner when we put absolute zeros, right. absolutes on any of those statements. And I don't and think most of the people in the middle need absolutes. They need to know that there is testing and quality assurance. And what are those steps that we do outside of antibiotics or hormones that ensure that those animals are healthy, producing healthy food. Right. So it's all of those other things that go around that that really helps to contribute to that conversation. Mm-hmm. There's always something to improve on. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm out of beer. I'm out of queso. We better uh, move on to the next episode. So I hope you tune in next time. 
Hey guys, before we go, just want to give one quick shout out to Chad Anglin from Kentucky and Marky Eggman from California for buying us a beer for this episode. I've dropped their Instagram accounts in the show notes, and so be sure to follow them and give them a thanks and appreciation. And as always, we encourage you to subscribe and follow up on the conversation. Give us a shout out on Twitter and let us know what you think of this conversation. What do you think of marketing food labels? And do you agree with our opinions? And what do you think some good solutions are for this conversation? So we look forward to hearing your feedback and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.